Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have David Gold. David Gold is the CEO and founder of Outer Realm. David is also a graduate of Cornell University in architecture. We're very excited to have him on the show today. David, welcome. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Um, super excited to talk about you know all things real estate, technology, entrepreneurship, wherever it goes. Yeah. Can you walk us through your background, who you are? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I'm coming at the this from an architecture background. So I studied architecture at Cornell University. Um, but along the way, I got really excited about computer graphics and the technology and 3D modeling and everything that was really becoming um, a big part of the way that architects practice real estate. And when I thought a little bit back to, you know, how I started and where this came from, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I specifically remembered was that our freshman year, at the architecture program, uh, they had a rule that you weren't allowed to use computers in your design process. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course I broke the rule. And so that was, that was kind of the origins of this, um, for my final design presentation there, Mm -hmm. uh, my freshman year, I was really struggling to draw, um, the design that I created and really imagine what it would be like to stand inside this building that I was imagining, um, yeah. which was a rec center. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, born out of that frustration was, you know, I kind of sort of snuck into the computer lab and started 3D modeling the design and um, wow. was really excited to see what it was looking like. And so I ultimately ended up doing my presentation there um, using digital renderings uh, against the rules, but it was well received and that kind of kickstarted my interest and excitement in mm-hmm. um, computer visualization as it relates to real estate and architecture. I like that story, man. Um, you know, obviously you felt compelled to put, to do this, you know, and you didn't care about the rules. You're like, you know what, this is what I think is right. But most of the time when you realize about success is people always kind of breaking the rules a little bit, right? Thinking outside of the box. And at first it isn't really accepted by the curriculum, but he keeps showing that you are passionate passionate about what you do and keep pushing forward towards that. Hey man, you created a company out of this. This is awesome. And also, yeah, I also noticed on your LinkedIn that you, did you graduate number one rank in your class? Yeah. So I think that um, ultimately that came as a surprise to myself and and perhaps my classmates. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think again, along the way, I just, I I was doing a little bit of, of creating my own path. So I was creating, um, design studios for myself that were outside of the typical uh, curriculum mm-hmm. created uh, computer graphics courses with uh, one of the people that became my mentor, who's kind of one of the founding fathers of computer graphics, mm-hmm. um, just creating these separate courses, you know, my own curriculum. And uh, I think along the way, it just was uh, finding this, what about the, what about the process ex- interested yeah. me and excited me and doing that let me, stay focused and stay mm-hmm. persistent and just, uh, you know, ultimately stay consistent on mm-hmm. being interested in, and outperforming. So that's where I think that ultimately came from. But, uh, you know, I was certainly pleasantly surprised um, when I learned that I was first in the class. Mm-hmm. 
that's, that's a big achievement, especially Cornell. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. So when you first graduated Cornell, did you go straight into starting your company or did you work a couple of jobs first until you realized, hey, like I want to start this company? What was your what was your process and path like? Yeah, so I, I definitely followed um, a bit of a traditional architecture route. You know, it mm-hmm. was um, in some ways I was a little bit on autopilot as I reflect back on it, which was, you know, once you graduate from the program, here's what you do. You apply to these um, big firms. So, you know, I ended up with a position at Skidmore Owens and Merrill, which is a large design firm um, originally out of Chicago, but now mm-hmm. in New York as well. And most famous for the One World Trade Center um, is, is the recent project that probably has the most cachet that we've worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I spent six years practicing architecture there. Um, it was an interesting time. It was the just after the 2008 recession. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of the results of that was uh, a reduction in the paid projects and work that the firm was doing and an increase in um, work with competitions to pursue new um, new projects. So, you know, a, a developer who's interested would put out an RFP for five architects to compete to win the design. And mm-hmm. um, because of the the time, I ended up being, you know, one of the leads on creating those visions, creating those um, renderings and graphics that would present those designs in the most compelling way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of uh, took what I had started in in school, which was this interest in how do you present architecture in the most compelling way. Um, and just reinforced it. So I spent six years kind of working on mm-hmm. a lot of those competitions, um, fortunately winning a lot, which was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, after about six years, um, unexpectedly, I had just gotten my license, which is, by the way, a big part of the process, right? You mm-hmm. graduate, um, you graduate from college, but you still have a minimum of a three year internship period seven professional exams that you have to take to get your license. Um, So I, I just got my license and then uh, I got a call from an old Cornell friend. Yeah. The architecture. Yeah. Basically, you know, it's a life safety issue, right? So you have to be very um, well certified to to practice architecture, to be able to stamp drawings and and get them built. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it it was kind of this defining moment. Um, And then I got a call from an old Cornell friend um, whose brother was working for a real estate tech startup. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, I just had breakfast with my brother. Um, They're looking for an architect who's also super interested in technology and computer graphics. Um, You're the first person I thought of. Will you at least just talk to them? I know that you're crushing it at SOM, Mm -hmm. but have a conversation. Um, and I did, I went in and I had, uh, a conversation with him. And the last thing that we did was, uh, put on an Oculus DK one headset, which was the first prototype of the Oculus virtual reality Mm -hmm. system. Um, and just in that moment when I, when I was transported to this, uh, totally different virtual environment, saw how realistic it could be. Um, it clicked for me and I, I was super excited about that. I basically quit my job the next day wow. um, and joined them, you know, two weeks later. Wow. That's, that's really crazy conviction right there. And it's, it's also, uh, I think you mentioned a lot of good nuggets before too, how you stayed really consistent with your goals. So I think it's a very important lesson to talk to our, our listeners because you have to be consistent and persistent and passionate about what you do. Because the road that you pick is typically never smooth. It's never a straight line. And being consistent will allow you to navigate through all those bumps. So major props to that. 
another thing that you mentioned I really liked is, you know, opportunity comes at you at different angles. You never quite expect it. But at the same time, you always have to constantly keep an open mind and kind of listen to what people's ideas are. Because sometimes, you know, people will, will say something, those one or two liners will change your life. In this case, it did, you know, because I know a lot of my friends uh, I, I currently have too, are like, no, 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 I don't want to listen to that. I'm, I'm not on my path. Like, I'm happy. They don't want to listen to new opportunities. For you, it's a little bit different, right? Because you're like, you know what? My path is great. I'm killing it. I'm crushing it. But hey, I'll listen to this opportunity anyways. And guess what? Now you're crushing it even more. You know, it's just funny how life works. So the biggest advice is don't close your doors. Like, keep listening to different ideas. Exactly what you did. Yeah. And the cool part is, you know, it's, it's a common thread, um, that yeah. I've followed, but it's, but it's not an obvious thread. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and as I reflect on, you know, the last, um, 15 years or so of professional career, um, one thing that keeps coming up for me over and over again is just, mm -hmm. uh, how seeds that you plant, um, definitely sprout at unexpected times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a friend, um, that, you know, I, kept in touch with over a few years um gone yeah. on a, a few wine tours with him just you know spent time um along the way and you never know when that person's going to think of you and that's yeah. how true for all of my um business relationships and, mm. and networks and everything else so tell us about your company want to hear more about it what's yeah, it work? Well, so, so a little bit of a transition would be that I, you know, I, I did spend, uh, two and a half years with Floored, this other real estate tech startup. Um, and even though the Oculus was the thing that got me so excited, uh, mm -hmm. about that, the reality was that the hardware itself wasn't really ready yet for prime time. So yeah. it was, you know, an early prototype. It was expensive. It wasn't available to consumers. It had, mm -hmm. um, a lot of flaws. Uh, so, we didn't work with that hardware at all at this real, real estate tech startup that I was at, um, other than a few more experiments. Mm -hmm. And along the way, what I developed, um, at Floored was just a relationship with a lot of real estate, um, practitioners mm -hmm. and gathering feedback and understanding what it is that they're looking for and what their pain points are and what their struggles are and how we can help. Um, and so that's, that was, you know, my biggest takeaway from my time at Floyd was just understanding how to navigate the industry. Because even though I had been an architect before, that mm -hmm. that architecture world is separate from the real estate world um, yeah. in so many ways. So um, that was my takeaway and my learnings. And ultimately, uh, Floyd was acquired by CBRE at the end of wow. 2016, um, which was a, a nice, exciting outcome mm -hmm. um, and great validation, obviously, that we were... Yeah adding value to the real estate world, um, that timing coincided with the release of these consumer versions of the VR headsets. Mm -hmm. So now, um, you know, I jumped, uh, after the acquisition, I jumped in and was essentially ready to launch my own company. I had been, mm -hmm. you know, a VP at Floyd, but not the CEO. And so I was ready, yeah. ready, I think for that and, and prepared to do that, having mm -hmm. managed a large team, um, and develop these business relationships. So the timing was just everything um, in terms of this hardware being ready and seeing that that was the next evolution of where we yeah. would be going with this in the industry. Mm -hmm. Well, wow, that's, that's an amazing story. And, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of good inspiration too, because I know, like, as you mentioned before, a lot of our listeners are may not come from a strictly real estate background. A lot of them come from a technical background or a software engineer or architect background. And you found your way to contribute to real estate and kind of get into your own niche. That's really inspirational for us to hear, you know? And a lot of people think that, hey, if I get into real estate, I have to be a real estate agent, I have to be a real estate investor, real estate developer. But you're bringing a lot of value to the real estate world while pursuing your own personal passions. So for you guys listening, there's so many ways to get into real estate. It's just not one door. There's many doors. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, I think I have my my family to thank for, you know, a lot of the perspective that I have in the world and the things that I look for and the opportunities Um my dad was a software engineer um, mm-hmm. and a NASA scientist, and my mom was an artist and a creative. And so this intersection um, ultimately is, is where I've landed, which is, mm-hmm. you know, software that enables us to, uh, and I'll get into uh, the actual product a little bit just to mm-hmm. tell people what we're doing, but, you know, enables us to run these systems. And then the creative side, which is about the presentation of the real estate projects mm-hmm. in, the, in the most visually compelling way. Yeah. Um, and I, I still, you know, my dad kind of hammered it into me over the years, which was uh, that you don't necessarily have to um, pick a specific career. He always emphasized finding an intersection between technology and any industry that you're passionate about or interested in. And so that's that's kind of where I'm, I've landed, which is finding that intersection between the virtual reality technology mm-hmm. and the real estate industry. Yeah, I like that. That was really good advice. Really good tips, you know. Just now, especially nowadays, is it's really combinationable, right? Because you have to have really good technology, where you know, obviously, it functions correctly. It's not too slow, but you have to have an art to it. Your creativity side. If we're so in that generation, currently, we're so into visual aesthetics that if it doesn't look good, doesn't feel a certain way, we don't want to use it. And sometimes that technology behind it is amazing. But because the execution is not creative enough or is not like fitting their certain personality like personality and style, it won't do as well. So what you mentioned was a great point to to our listeners too, because like a lot of people would think that, hey, if I built this app correctly, people will come to it. It's not, not usually the case, you know, it's an art form. And it's, it feels like you guys nail it down. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about it. Awesome. Yeah. So, so what we're doing is, you know, I realized along the way that people um, really struggle to imagine uh, things that they can't simply see right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're highly visual creatures, as you just said. Um, and so I think it's, you know, 90% of our, our interactions with the world and our senses are, are through our eyes. Um, and so we were seeing this struggle where two dimensional renderings and floor plans weren't conveying um, to to the everyday person, what a project would look like. So um, for any new development property where you would otherwise just show someone floor plans or renderings, we're actually creating a complete digital simulation of what mm-hmm. that building will look like after it's constructed. And through the lens of, of virtual and augmented reality, we're letting people step inside um, and actually fully explore homes, um, retail complexes, commercial office buildings, amenity spaces, whatever it is, that you want to showcase, we can actually let you physically stand inside of it and walk through it as if it's already built. Um, and awesome. we can do that long before construction mm-hmm. is complete. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Cause I know there's a lot of applications out there that are just web, web-based. 
So we just click around the website and kind of just, you know, zoom in, zoom out. But you guys took it one step further. You know, you're like, wow, and actually walk into this property now and kind of like, like tour around. So as you mentioned before, that you were requiring certain technologies and, you know, hardware to be used. What kind of hardware are you guys integrating your software with right now? Um, so we, we support, you know, all the, essentially the, the highest quality VR headsets. So an yeah. Oculus Rift S, um, or mm-hmm. an HTC Vive. Um, so if we're, if we're putting in someone into a VR headset, we want it mm-hmm. to be the highest quality experience. Um, yeah. you know, we, we learned early on that the things like the Google Cardboard and the Samsung Gear VR, which were meant to be this kind of easy entry point, low cost, to the market we're actually just kind of cheapening the experience um so they were in some ways making uh making the sell worse instead of better um mm-hmm. and so we're we're really focused on this highest quality experience and anytime where someone doesn't have access to the headset you know if they're not able to come into a sales center mm-hmm. or come to a, a site trailer or wherever you're presenting an experience center about the project mm-hmm. um then we do use that online format which lets people click in around um and they can do that from home. So we're kind of hitting the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. which is great. We've got high distributability um, through the web and high impact in-person experiences. That's awesome. For our listeners who want to find out more, go to Outer Realm. Uh, what's your, what's your uh, website again? OuterRealm.com? Is that? OuterRealmVR.com. Okay. So you guys can check out more about his product and everything. I think it sounds really awesome. And if you have a, a demo video or something like that, we can put that in our show notes as well for our listeners to view. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah, for this segment, we're going to transition a little bit and talk a little bit more about you. So what is your biggest motivation? What, why do you do the things you do, especially in this company? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I think over, if you look at history, that technology improvement is, you know, one of the main things that improves lives across the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the the thing that you realize though as you look at it is that technology improvement is really really hard um and it takes um a ton of people a ton of companies everyone trying to incrementally improve or or obviously exponentially improve some aspect um or some limitation of the way that we currently do things and so i think if i had to extract you know, not what am I doing today, but just big picture, David, what am I excited about doing? It's helping um, drive uh, the adoption of technology mm-hmm. across any industry, because I, I think that it fundamentally changes uh, the quality of life. And, you know, the flip side of it is, of course, that, you know, people along the way have also always been super concerned about, you know, does technology replace our workforce or what happens when it becomes smarter or better than us at any one mm-hmm. thing? Um, I think that that's, you know, it's important or it's exciting also to be part of this process because we can be stewards and, you know, help, help make sure that the way that we use and develop technology is actually beneficial to the world. So I think that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is creating new technologies, creating new applications of it to, um, to an industry and and helping improve the process. I really like that answer in particular because you're right. There's a lot of fear with Americans right now about automation replacing jobs, but you kind of mentioned in a way where you view technology as a helper, you know, as an aid, not a replacement. And that's very strong for all of us to really hear is, you know, there could be a win-win between technology, innovations, and, and people, 
you know? So I, I like I like the answer a lot. Um, you know, we don't want to get into all the political side, but reading all the political stuff is like, yeah, like a <laughs> big fear of automation is real, but I really like that answer. So what are, what are your short-term goals and long-term goals for the company? Um, short-term is just to, to, to grow, grow, grow. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, if you're, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. And so, um, you know, despite some, some current short-term challenges with obviously the, the coronavirus, um, you know, I've been really happy with progress and, and our growth and acquiring, um, you know, new users. And because ultimately where we see, um, where we see traction is where we're most excited, right? So anytime a yeah. customer adopts our product and you know just last night um got a text from one of our customers that said hey this just helped us generate a lead for a 350 person event oh, um, wow. just just moments like that yeah or what what validate what we're doing and yeah. us excited and going so yeah it's it's growth right now and mm-hmm. um growth to us looks like you know a, essentially a three-pronged approach which is uh improving the product so just always making sure that we're listening to feedback and mm-hmm. making it better making the delivery of it better mm-hmm. um so product improvements um and then customer experience improvements so yeah. how do we deliver it to them how do we support them how do we make sure that they're seeing the most value out of it mm-hmm. um and then of course there's you know marketing and sales and so that's um that's kind of how we break down our approach to mm-hmm. growth um and you know, I think the the way that we look at it too is is quality of customer. So where are we looking for the top five players in any one uh, niche or category, and how can we get access to them? And um, yeah, that's our approach. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. I mean, I think working with technology, listening to feedback, integrating to your own platform, it's a little bit difficult just because sometimes you have to change the architectural feature of your product. So how do you efficiently listen to your customers and, and build out these new functionalities that they need? Are they just add-ons? Are they, there are sometimes you come to your team, you're like, wow, this is a great suggestion. Like we should totally um, consider adding that to our architecture. Like, how, how do you listen to these customer feedbacks and integrate them to your product? Yeah, I think first and foremost is, is asking the question, right? So making yeah. sure that you have a direct line to them. Um, and whether it's in a, a feedback form or an actual, you know, we, we do it on a phone call because it's important to us and high touch enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to be careful in taking feedback and just automatically assuming that it's, it's right. So to speak, yeah. um, you know, it could be very contextual to them. It could be that it's, it's something they want or they think that they want, but mm-hmm. actually would be um, more challenging. I think a good example of that for us is a lot of our customers have asked for, multi-user VR experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tested that and it ends up actually being detrimental because if you have, you know, say a husband and a wife who are coming and touring a, a virtual home, mm-hmm. um, the second you have both of them in VR doing their own thing and you're trying to keep track of making sure they have a great experience, it becomes very challenging. Um, and so having them go through it one at a time and making sure you curate it actually ends up being a better experience. So we've listened to customers that have suggested both, um, and and tried to find a balance between it, but, you know, coming out of, um, coming out of the current coronavirus, for example, we're, you know, we're getting a lot of suggestions that we use Xbox controller integrations and let people Mm -hmm. navigate these virtual scenes on a screen instead of in a headset where they might not want to share headsets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, an example of something that we're certainly listening to and that we'll implement. Um, and you also look at 
a big picture thesis from the company, right? Which is we have distilled it down into not just a virtual tour product, but a virtual mm-hmm. tour product that works really well and is simple to use for real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so adding too many features is actually antithetical to that um, mission mm-hmm. because you want to keep it as simple as possible. So often yeah. it's a challenge of how do we eliminate features or reduce mm-hmm. features rather than add them. I agree with that statement. Sometimes being simple is the most challenging thing you can ever be a, be a part of. <laughs> like it's so easy to build, 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 but it comes down to like, hey, we got to slim it down and be simple and make the user interface much easier to to, to navigate. That's the most difficult part. Yep. You know, really reminds me of what Steve Jobs is always about. You know, if it's not the most difficult things about being a a tech CEO is keeping things simple. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it helps with user experience too. So I like that. Hey, um, what kind of advice would you have for someone who is just starting out in your industry that kind of want to get into it, uh, but don't really know where to start? What kind of advice would you give to them? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a little bit of what I mentioned earlier, which is mm-hmm. just start planting seeds um, mm-hmm. because you don't know which one is going to sprout first or, mm-hmm. or when. Um, so I think what's most important is to just get out there and start having conversations, talking to people, you know, Im- imagine um, that you went to a real estate um, tech meetup and you had this conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you might realize that, hey, David's taking this approach. He's really excited about this. Um, mm-hmm. here's a way that I can apply those same thoughts or that same mentality to a different mm-hmm. part of the industry. Um, and the next week you might be launching your own tech company or, mm-hmm. you know, you might be out at um, an open house and, and just, mm-hmm. you know, go and chat with the agents there and see what mm-hmm. kind of thing is happening. So I think plant, plant more seeds, yeah. plant more seeds. That's a really good point too. Cause for you guys who are listening, like don't be shy and put yourself out there, you know, Go out there, go to any kind of real estate meetup that you can find or any kind of real or meetup that is you know, related to your industry. Talk to, talk to those people and tell them about your vision. You know, tell them about your goal. Because most of the time, I think most people are fearful that, hey, if I keep talking about my idea, someone's going to steal it. Someone's going to take it. But that's not the case at all. Because for you to execute the same exact idea as someone else in exact execution is very, very difficult. Everyone's so different, you know. If that was the case, all these fast food chains would all be the same, you know. Even McDonald's from here in a different city is slightly different. So don't be afraid to like go out there and really share your idea, because the best thing you can get is what is what David mentioned: planting seeds. But the other great thing you also get is feedback. Hey, this is this is this idea a good idea? Is it validated? Is it is probably like maybe I should pivot. You know, because sometimes you have this great idea that, that you want to tell people. And then when you get more feedback, pivoting is just as important as the idea. You know, now you find your product market fit. Now you find your, your customers and your clients and technology. And it feels like David has found all of them, you know, like for him, it's like you have to find technology and then the customer and the client. And, you know, it's it's amazing what David has, has done in, in the industry. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, to add to that, um, not everyone is is comfortable going out there in the world. Um, I'm I'm relatively introverted. Um, I don't I don't spend a lot of time um, at events in the past. And one thing I'd love to share that was a big shift for me is I used to say, 
okay, I, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna drive the half an hour that it takes to go to this event, then I have to talk to at least 10 people to make it worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I operated on that mentality for about two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I've made a shift to it recently, which has made a huge difference because when I was thinking that way, uh, the number of events that I would end up skipping was significant. Mm. When I shifted it to, okay, I'm going to go to this event and the maximum number of people that I'm going to talk to is three. And mm. if I go into the event knowing that after I've talked to three people, I, I give myself a free pass to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, actually makes me more willing to go to the event and just mm-hmm. spend a little bit of time there. I don't, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to drain me. It doesn't have to, you know, take all of that, um, effort that I used to think that events took. So mm-hmm. that's one I'd share with people who are maybe a little more introverted is set a maximum. And, uh, as soon as you've talked to that third person, just leave and you'll be surprised. Um, you know, each time if I talk to three people, at least one of those ends up being a follow on conversation that, you know, mm-hmm. it turns into something in the future. Yeah, I, I love that a lot. It really reminds me of when I first started too. I would go to real estate meetup and, and made it a goal to uh, meet five people and take one person out for coffee every single week. And people always laugh at this story because I did th- I did this for an entire year before I got my first real estate deal. You know, I kept I kept I was so shameless. I just asked questions like, "Hey, how'd you start it? What kind of mistakes did you make?" Uh, anything else you can teach me, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? But what you realize is as you put yourself more out there, people are very generous with their knowledge. And they they love when you ask questions because it'll help them out too. Like you never know what, what someone's going through. Someone might be burnt out or someone's is, is willing to share their idea. And you just being there asking the question kind of validates what they're doing as well. And it makes them feel really good. So it's a win-win. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just, just, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there, plant these seeds and meet people because they just want to meet you just as much as you want to meet them. So don't be afraid. <laughs> hey, uh, do you have any favorite books, podcasts, or um, other inspiration, like other mediums that you draw inspiration from? Um, yeah, I, I am reading a ton uh, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of set a goal of around three books per month. Um, oh, wow. so it ends up, you know, stacking up. And if you look at obviously how that adds up over the years, mm-hmm. um, it's significant. And, you know, to me, it's important that you just, you get one important nugget out of, of that one book that you read. Um, yeah. That's three nuggets per month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's going to add up over time. So uh, I think one that I just recently read that, really just inspired me was shoe dog by phil knight um, oh, what of nike amazing yeah. um just to listen to you know all of the all of the hurdles that he got over and, yeah. and everything that they all all of those moments where things felt like they were going to fall apart and mm-hmm. they pulled it together um you know it's definitely the entrepreneurial journey is absolutely mm-hmm. roller coaster and so to listen to you know one of the preeminent brands um and their story that was amazing um i think on the on the side that's more technology relevant uh, i recently read innovators by walter isaacson um, mm-hmm. which really just tells that story of of how we got to where we are today with computers mm-hmm. and the internet um but again the, the cool part about that is just this understanding that it really has just been so many people and and mm-hmm. such a broad contribution and 
it's cool to understand that even the one little thing that you're working on mm-hmm. is adding up to this massive, you know, groundswell of progress in technology that that has delivered us yeah. the computer, the PC, the internet, and and smartphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those two books that you mentioned. I read them as well. I mean, I love Shoe Dog in particular. It's because he wrote it, the story, in a way where this is like back like after World War II, and it's so relevant to what you're going through right now. It's such a cl- like a timeless, timeless classic with challenges that you face and your mentality, the way you have to pivot. It's it, it doesn't matter what generation you're in as an entrepreneur, more than likely you're gonna face similar s- scenarios. And I love that, you know, to see all these successful people are just human. They're just trying to figure it out. But if you don't know their story, they're so godlike. They're like, oh man, how how do you get there? <laughs> you know? Well, once you find out that, you know, success is made up with a lot of small, small wins. It is. You know, and once you realize that, you realize that hey, anyone can do it, I can do it. And you push yourself harder that that you know you're gonna eventually reach your goal. Another book that I, I really want to recommend to her to you and our listeners is uh, the ride of a, the ride of a lifetime. Um, I think it was, it was by the Disney CEO Robert. Right. Yeah, that was a, that was a great book too. And he he talked about his journey from the lowest level employee to becoming a CEO of Disney and navigating through all the politics and acquisitions. So another great entrepreneurial book. I'm really glad that you know we have this in common too because. Myself, also as an entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, sometimes I am like, you know, so many decisions that you have to make, you get overwhelmed, and you just read about these stories and it keeps you going too. And like you said earlier, when people give you a positive feedback, it really helps you feel like, hey, it kind of validates you a little bit too. Like, hey, I'm walking in the right direction. You know, it just makes you smile. Like, all right, I got this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and I feel like if you're, you know, if you're not having these moments of doubt and these moments of uncertainty, then you're probably not um, pushing, pushing the boundary, you know, pushing yourself quite hard enough. So yeah, I think, you know, as, as painful as they can be, I think it's important to listen to your, you know, to your mind in terms of mm-hmm. um, where you do see uncertainty and, and doubt. It's mm-hmm. probably a good signal that you're doing something. Now, if it becomes overwhelming, you're probably pushing too hard. And, and mm-hmm. of course there's risk of burnout, but yeah, to, to let that come, to sit with it, and then to make sure that you have resources like just amazing inspirational books or podcasts to listen to that kind of pull you back up and yeah. get you back out there. I think it's really important to find that balance. Definitely. You always have to constantly improve yourself too because in business, your business will never grow past you. It never grow past Dave. It never grow past Brian. You are the limit to your own business. You keep on growing, your business will keep on growing. If you are, if you currently at a certain state, like you look, you reflect like a couple of years ago how you used to be, and your business never grew past you. So you kept on growing, you kept growing, and growing, and that's the way it is. You know, like people think that the business could outgrow you. That's rarely the case. You know, it depends on the leader, it depends on the founder, it depends on whoever's in charge, it depends on their imagination, their personality, how they solve problems, how they view the world. And that's the only way you become very successful is you grow yourself first. Couldn't agree more. Definitely. Hey, so we're at the end of the podcast. How can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you? Yeah, so our website's awesome, www.outerrealmvr.com. David Gull on LinkedIn, um, OR underscore VR on Instagram. 
Um, so yeah, lots of places to find us. And, you know, if you're interested in getting just a regular newsletter, uh, you know, you can sign up for that on our website. It goes out probably every other week. And, you know, this week we've, we've been sending out tips on how real estate agents can do virtual open houses while everyone's mm-hmm. kind of shut in at home. Um, and it's, it's not even a product of ours. It's just a way to help and give back and make Love sure it. people are staying busy right now. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate you having me. No problem.